0: Good evening everyone, and welcome to the Cod Cabin, the only Massachusetts podcast where you can figure out who's who 's who what 's what where 's where, and why everything is wicked i 'm adam bass i 'm Jack Leary and we have Jesse Hahn and we have I'm uh, Logan. so the purpose of the of the cod Cabin is basically to discuss the past, present, and future of Massachusetts politics and discuss current events that are going on right now because the bay state doesn 't get as much love as its liberal uh, brothers and sisters, or its somewhat conservative cousins. And I think tonight we should start off this new podcast with a discussion that has been on everyone's mind. And that of course is the Massachusetts primary, uh, Senate primary race, Joe Kennedy versus Ed Markey. So what, what are your guys' thoughts on that to begin with?
1: Well, I think this race is really not about ideology. Kennedy may have come around to his progressive opinions rather recently, but I think they'd vote in similar manner in the Senate. But this is a matter of how they will act in the Senate. Kennedy's, um, we don't know if he has presidential aspirations, but I think we can assume he does. He's going to be a loud voice in the Senate. And uh, Markey's been a backbencher for decades. He gave up all that seniority in the House to move over to the Senate and He's sitting behind Elizabeth Warren, and he seems happy doing it. And we've seen him increase his voice in the past few weeks, particularly uh, among younger voters, and maybe that will change some opinions.
2: I definitely agree that Kennedy is definitely in this because he has presidential aspirations. I don't think that, especially considering how far he's moved to the left, you know, recently in order to be competitive in this primary I think this is definitely a battle of, you know, name recognition and future aspirations for Kennedy. While Markey, you know, I think he joined the Senate, you know, after 30 years in the House, because he genuinely has an agenda that he wants to to put through. You know, he was one of the first co-sponsors of the Green New Deal. And he's been, you know, consistently one of the most liberal members of the Senate. And, you know, while there won't be a lot of difference in between a Senator Markey and a Senator Kennedy, you can definitely say. Say that Markey is the more liberal one, and I I think that's definitely more because it's what he believes rather than it's what's in vogue right now.
3: Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Uh, I think it's also quite interesting that I've seen Kennedy uh, attacking Markey for voting for the Iraq War when when we've seen Markey and Kennedy when they've been in the Congress in Congress at the same time. Markey's definitely been more liberal on foreign policy. I kind of find that interesting that Kennedy's going after Markey for being conservative when. Kennedy himself is probably more conservative on foreign policy. Well,
0: there is a certain truth, Logan, that when you go to the Senate, you have to become a little more centered in your aspirations, because not only are you representing your district anymore, you're representing an entire state. And the constituency of your state is going to be a little more to the center than left or right of what your district is. The thing is about Kennedy is that it's do or die for him. And it, and this is going to be his final year in the House. He's not running for MAO 4 anymore. So if he does this, he might as well uh, go the full mile. I personally think right now, due to polling, uh, we actually have a WBC poll up here. Uh, it, it shows Kennedy leaving Markey by about two to three points. And the thing about it is that right now, unless there's any other polling, which there doesn't seem to be because there's not going to be much of in interest to poll Massachusetts. It's Lean Kennedy right now.
2: I'll definitely say that. And I think definitely looking at Massachusetts, I feel like this has always been a state where waiting your turn has been really important in state politics. You know, we've we've never really had a history of of in, uh primary incumbents until really I think Ayanna Presley in 2018 was one of the first, you know, serious significant challenges we've seen in a long time when she toppled Capuano. Do you guys think that this is gonna be Something that gets more intense as time goes on, or do you think this is really Kennedy and Presley are kind of one time things?
1: I think this is really a nationalized phenomenon. Like Alexandria Ocasio Cortez basically started it, and you see, there's um, little known progressive challengers to long time Democratic incumbents. I think even though Massachusetts does have this trend of electing people who have waited their turn. I think that, you know, voters, voters want some new blood in there, especially our members are getting old. Stephen Lynch, um, Richie Neal, they're all in their uh, 60s, 70s, and they're all reaching the end of their career and they might be replaced sometime soon.
2: I think Lynch is definitely an interesting case because he's he's my representative and he's definitely one of the more conservative Democrats in the delegation and in Congress. And he's had primary challengers, um, you know, pr- fairly often in recent years. Brianna Wu, last cycle, and she actually just dropped out the other day for this cycle. And, but we also have Robbie Goldstein running this cycle. Uh, but he's really faced no serious opposition. You know, I, I think Brianna Wu took like 20% of the vote against him last time in the primary. So I, I think that sentiment still definitely is there to an extent because, you know, Lynch is, you know, until recently, he was one of the last pro-life Democrats, I think. And he still, you know, remained pretty comfortable in office and in leadership in the party.
3: Yeah, I think also with like, just, I'm in Kennedy's district and last time around he had a no-name challenger who got 6% of the vote in the primary. But I just, I think Presley was such an exception that like almost all the districts, uh, whenever there's a primary challenger, the primary challengers get at most like 30% of the vote, I'd say. Presley was very much a one-off. I think Kennedy might be a one-off as well. But in general, I don't think primary challengers do very well here.
0: Well, again, the thing about it is that, for one, uh, we we never expected Presley to win. And the thing about uh, the Massachusetts Senate, and I have a map of Kerry's uh, win in 84, or 80. And the thing about that that win was that there was no incumbent uh, to fight against. Uh, Same goes with Markey in 2013. It was sort of to fill an open seat. Here, I think for the first time in the 20th and 21st century, we have a Massachusetts incumbent versus challenger fight, which is something that you don't see in the state. Usually you have to wait, again, wait your turn. And if Kennedy proves successful, I think a lot more candidates are going to have the fire under their butts to do that. And and to go off of uh, the maps of Markey and Kerry, one of the things I've noticed is the importance of two, two districts in particular. Those are, these are Norfolk County, which uh, I live in, and Middlesex County, which Logan lives in. Um, these are the suburban areas of Massachusetts. These are where they touch upon the Metro West. You touch upon the, the surrounding 128 area of Boston. Uh, these are the voters that you need to pick up. So who do you think of the two is going to do better with those suburban voters? Is it going to be Marky or is it going to be Kennedy?
2: I definitely think that um, Kennedy is built more um, to appeal to those suburban voters. You know, Markey's old district was, you know, further like anchored in the Boston area. And I I think that Boston is kind of his area to really rack it up while Kennedy's going to do a lot better in the suburbs. Um, I think this is going to be a question of who's going to do well out West, you know, the Berkshires, Franklin County, because there's not a ton of votes there uh, probably more in a democratic primary, but you know, there are definitely more progressive voters out there. You know, um, I think the only two, no, Bernie won Boston, but I think he won Franklin County and Hampshire County. Yes, me, he, uh, right.
0: I don't know if he won. I think he won Hampton, uh, not Hampshire. Could be,
2: yeah. but you know, out, out West was really outside of Boston, his, his strongest base of support in this state. And I, I think that that's going to be a pretty big battleground for this race too.
0: It's interesting you say that Jack, because in my opinion, the two counties that are going to decide it are going to be Bristol and Worcester County. Worcester County, of course, having the second biggest city in Massachusetts, that being Worcester, and it still has those Metro West areas surrounding it, almost like the second Boston and Massachusetts five and four hiding between them. And for Bristol, uh, I go to college down there, Wheaton College, and the amount of Kennedy support that is there is insane. Bristol is a is a reddish county. Vote for Clinton less. And the thing about it is that Jeff Deal, the former uh, challenger to Elizabeth Warren in 2018, did pretty well there. And everywhere I go, uh, when I take a walk outside of Wheaton, I see Kennedy signs. The IBEW 103 local has like five big Kennedy signs hanging out there. And it seems to me that Kennedy does really well with those blue collar workers of Massachusetts. So I think it's, it's those two areas, Worcester and Bristol, that harbor most of them.
1: I think it's really surprising to see so much strong uh, Kennedy support among these unions that usually stand with incumbents and uh, folks that have um, worked with them for a long time. So what do you guys think about this? I mean, like, why are they standing by this uh, insurgent challenger?
3: I'm also just looking at the cross tabs for the UMass Lowell Poll, and Kennedy's up 11 with below 50,000. That's and it's lot. the exact opposite for hundred thousand and up. Marky's up eleven, yeah, which would suggest that Marky would actually do better than suburbs, even though that might oppose conventional wisdom. Maybe, but to
0: go back to your question, Jesse, uh, the thing about Kennedys is that despite them being <laughs> the the political dynasty, the end all political dynasties, they are known for their work with unions and their work with uh, with labor groups. Uh, John F. Kennedy, Bobby, Ted all of them, that was their main bread and butter up there with civil rights. And I think Kennedy in particular does a better job of advertising his supportive unions because when I go to Markey's website, uh, it's very much in the progressive uh, aisle, of touting what young people want to hear more of, education, Green New Deal, uh, ease of student debt. Well, Kennedy seems to have a more focused uh, issue for each individual. He has a whole section for Puerto Rican voters. He has a section for for union groups and labor groups. Kennedy knows how to play to his audience while Markey likes to draw in those bigger general audiences. And and the thing is is that, and and to go back to the poll that you were looking at, Logan, um, one of the things I've noticed that Kennedy does well, uh, a voter group that Kennedy does really well with, and probably one of the most important voting blocks in Massachusetts, are Latin voters. There's a large swath of them in the Met, uh, again, the Metro West area, Framingham, Natick, those areas that are close to Route Nine, and that's sort of the bridge that could help him in uh, Worcester County. So, why do you think that Kennedy? Again, what what draws Kennedy to those Latin voters? Do you think?
1: Well, I think part of it is that like the Kennedy name is gold among minorities. Like, th- their name is synonymous with like the Civil Rights Act in uh defending the rights of minorities in this country and i think part of it is that you know kennedy speaks fluent spanish he went on this um town hall tour where he just spoke spanish i think that was like the first time in the state's history that a senate candidate just held spanish town halls i think maybe not a lot of people went to those but you know a lot of people heard, definitely heard about them and um, if you speak their language, people are naturally going to gravitate towards you because they think you they understand, you understand their point of view. To go off of
0: that, Jesse, I do remember, and I'm pulling up my uh, official dossier for the Massachusetts Senate primary, a quote in the Boston Globe where a woman who went to one of these town halls uh, was very, very impressed with how Kennedy did. It seems that he is listening to us. Uh, we like that and that it may be something, but the fact that he is listening to us is very important. So yeah, I think it comes down to a matter of listening and, and speaking to those specific voters. And I think the fact that Kennedy is able to draw out those uh, Hispanic voters is gonna help him in the long run.
2: Yeah, I just think that, um, you know, I think we saw in the 2020 presidential primary that just outreach to minority groups, particularly um, Hispanics proved to be really fruitful for Bernie Sanders. Uh, he was one of the only candidates that was running ads in Spanish that was having, like, a notable attempt at Hispanic outreach. And that that really helped him, as we saw in Nevada and with Hispanics all across the country. So I, I think Kennedy's, um, you know, outreach, his town halls in Spanish, while, like, um, like Logan said, not a lot of people are going to them, you know, I think it's really paying dividends for him um, in the state at large.
0: Absolutely. I think that does really help him. I, I've noticed about Ed Markey, because I do think we've showered Kennedy enough, um, is his draw to younger voters. Now, in my opinion, Markey, unlike Bernie Sanders, uh, Ed Markey is happy to have those young voters, but I don't think that's his main goal. I think he just naturally attracts them because of his uh, ability to launch the Green New Deal and to help, and, to, and that got voters interested. I think many people heard of Ed Markey, but... When the Green New Deal came out, it just propelled him to higher heights. And the problem with that, though, is that uh, two things. One, we know that young voters aren't really reliable. And two, and this is the worst part for him, if he's going to rely on those voters, the primaries is on September 1st. Colleges start that day. Classes start that day. There is no way on a Tuesday where colleges start that people are going to have the time to go and vote. So uh, what's, what's your take on the issue of college voters and Ed Markey?
3: Markey is definitely trying to appeal to that Bernie Young Voter Coalition, both in his messaging and his policies, as well as his emails. I just got an email with the the title the subject. Um, I'm once again asking, which is, I think, a reference to Bernie's memes. Uh, But yeah, I totally agree that there's going to be very low young turnout in the primaries. If the colleges, they could uh, possibly open late and then that people wouldn't even be in Massachusetts to vote to begin with, it it just it's gonna be a mess, and it's not gonna help Markey one bit.
2: I think that uh, the difference between the two, I think a large part of it is aesthetics, but I, I think that Kennedy is making a real outreach effort for young voters too. Speaking kind of anecdotally here, um, you know, I I go to Boston College and I'm I'm active with the Boston College Democrats, and Joe Kennedy um, earlier in the fall semester actually came. To campus, you know, met with us and answered questions, which I, I thought was really cool. And um, we've reached out to Ed Markey and um, we haven't heard anything from him. And obviously, he has a lot of time. On, I mean, he doesn't have a lot of time on his hands and he's a busy guy. But um, I, I've just seen personally Joe Kennedy kind of making more of that outreach to, to younger voters and college voters specifically.
0: I think Ed Markey, as much as I do love him, I think he is relying on his seniority a, uh, in a way to help him. And I think he does. Actually really well with older voters, Ed Markey. I, I looked at that WBZ poll. Markey does incredible, he does about uh, 13 points better with older voters than Kennedy does. And you would think that because of his progressive outline, he wouldn't do well. But yet, because of his seniority and that Massachusetts belief of waiting your turn,
1: he does do well. Yeah, for sure. And one thing I was just thinking about is that there isn't much of a draw to these primaries. Like, some Uh, most of the members of Congress are running uncontested. And um, I think one underrated factor is that Brianna Wu dropped out this week, as um, Jack mentioned. And I think that that's really gonna tamp down the seventh district turnout, maybe by a few thousand votes, but that that could be the difference maker statewide. And I think, um, you know, Markey has a lot of hope in the first district. Alex Morse is running a progressive campaign. Against Richie Neal, and you know if he turns out enough people um, to get, for Alex Morse and Ed Markey, I think Ed Markey still has a hope state uh, statewide. But um, yeah, it's a tough battle for him because those young voters just aren't going to turn out until um, they get a better reason to.
0: Well, anyways, thank you all for joining us. Uh, it has been an honor to do the first episode of the Cod Cabin. Uh, we're going to do more of these. And I hope you all tune in for another one uh, coming up uh, soon enough. So with that all being said, my name is Adam Bass. I'm I'm Jack. Jack Leary. I'm Jesse Hahn. I'm Logan. And thank you for joining us at the Cod Cabin.